0: Today's scripture, as we just heard, sets us in Martha's home. Jesus had been traveling, and I imagine that he was really tired. Martha approaches Jesus and invites him into her home. She spends the afternoon cleaning and cooking so that Jesus may enjoy a nice, good, nourishing meal. Martha's sister, Mary, however, sat at Jesus' feet, and listen to him. Neither one of them offered to help Martha. And I admit I, too, would be filled with resentment and would march over to Jesus and say, Jesus, do you not care I've been left to do all this work by myself? Tell my sister to help me. And I must confess every time I hear Jesus' response, I feel a little salty, a little irked. Well, Jesus, you tell me, jazz, jazz. You are worried and distracted by many things. But there is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. But what I really, really want to say back to Jesus is, Jesus, Jesus, how do you think this home was cleaned? How do you think my wife and I pay the rent for this apartment? How do you think this food just magically appeared on this table so that you may eat and so that you may have some time to rest? It is great that my fellow sister is sitting with you and listening to you, but someone has to make these things happen. I've only been a part of this community for about five months now, but I am very confident in saying that there are a whole lot of Marthas out there. I see you. I see all of you. I see how much you do for this community, even when your lives are filled with work, with school, with caring for family members, for friends, you still make substantial time for this community. When I imagine the situation, I see Martha overworking herself, so much so she becomes resentful. And I sympathize with her. I've been there. My wife can testify big time to that. One of the biggest learning curves for us, for me, and my relationship has been to state my needs. Objectively, this feels really easy, but in the moment, not so much. Before we were married, we lived in New York, and I can recall one time when we got back to my apartment after a really long trip, and we were both exhausted, and we both lay down to take a nap, and we realized we still need to cook dinner for the week, Jackie offered, and I told her no. I know you have a harder week than I do. Granted, she was in medical school. She asked me a few times, Are you sure? And I said yes. So I went ahead and cooked while Jesus took a nap. Well, Jackie took a nap. <laughs> that was a slip. I was just about done with dinner when I dropped some food on the ground. (laughs) It's going to take me a little time to recover from that. (laughs) And dropping that food on the ground, that's all it took for this resentful monster to just come out, out of me. And I had reached my limit. And I told her, and I made it clear that I had spent two hours cooking while she napped. And I said to her, I'm glad that you got to have some time to rest. And that was really, really unfair. And I totally recognize that. She responded super frustrated, rightfully so, saying, I asked you three times, are you sure? And you said yes. How many times do I have to tell you to just ask me for help, to just tell me what you need? This is starting to feel like another confession, like the public one I gave at dinner church this past Thursday. I can imagine that something similar is happening here in our scripture today. Martha has taken on more than she can handle. And I do want to pause here for a moment. I think it's important to acknowledge that there are also structures in place that force us to be Martha's. When someone in the family falls ill and health insurance doesn't cover the bills, we have no choice but to take on that extra job to pay for it. When I was living in New York, a good friend of mine who is a single mom, and at the time her daughter was a teenager, she was working in Nordstrom Rack in the morning, then working with all of us in the housing department during the day, and then she tutored at night, all of this to co-rent a two-bedroom apartment in New York City where she gave the, red, the one bedroom that was theirs to her daughter and for many years slept on the couch. She had no choice to be a Martha, to put a roof over her head, her daughter's head, to pay for school, to put food in front of them. But yet she made time to be Mary as well. In the midst of all this, She made time for long morning walks, walks that restored her spiritually, physically, and mentally. When I would see her in the morning, she would come up to me and she'd show me pictures on her phone that she had taken on her walks. And these were beautiful pictures of just like little bits of nature in the middle of New York City. And I admired that. I admired her to take that moment to capture that beauty and to sit with it. Even today, when I asked her if I could share some of her story with you all, she sent me a beautiful video she took of New York City skyline at sunrise. I share all this because I want to be careful to not put blame on Martha. It is not her fault that she is overworking, or that she is in the situation where she has to overwork. I am confident in saying that Jesus is also not putting blame on her. I'm confident in this interpretation because the parable of the Good Samaritan immediately precedes this story. A few weeks ago, our youth reenacted this parable of the Good Samaritan, and so we saw a person who drove a car and was on a way to the Women's March, and his car broke down. And then in our depiction, our senior pastor and a very important congregant member just passed the person by. But then a Samaritan, who was heading to the same woman's protest, but to protest it against it, stopped to help him. We knew where they stood because there were really awesome bumper stickers on the cars. And the Samaritan, who stopped to help him, even paid for a night at a hotel so that he could rest. In this parable, Jesus is honoring hospitality. He's not advocating for us to stop and be still, but to act. To act and to help one another. To act and to serve one another. And so when I look back at what Jesus says to Martha, I'm not convinced that he's condemning her hospitality or her work. Jesus values hospitality immensely. I do think that Jesus is calling Martha to cultivate some of Mary and herself. That is, carve out some time for sitting, for listening, knowing there's time for acting and there's time for resting. Because the truth is, we need both Mary and Martha. And I believe we can experience God's love through Mary in the quiet and in the silence, and through Martha through action. When we experience God's love through action, it may be through a kind of interaction with a person we do not know. A few years ago, I lost my license in New York City. I knew I had dropped it on the sidewalk somewhere, and so I pretty much gave up hope that I would find it. And then on Christmas Eve, I received a card in the mail, and inside this card was my license and a beautiful note saying, Merry Christmas, I found this. I thought you might be looking for it. (laughs) And I was really moved. And we also experienced God's love through silence. I felt God's love through a friend's presence when I was going through a hard time. It was after I moved here from New York, and I was really missing my family. I had never lived this far from them before. She did not do anything. She did not fix anything. She simply just sat by my side, and experience my feelings with me. I know that for many of us Marthas, finding time to cultivate the merry inside of us can be hard and can sometimes just feel impossible, especially during busy weeks when we're just trying to get by, especially because our culture seduces us into being Marthas. Many of us experience high demand jobs to do more, to do better, to do more, to do better. Or to just take on more jobs like my friend. And with all these external demands, we begin to internalize them, telling ourselves that we need to do better, do more, do better, do more. And it's ironic, isn't it? Times when we are struggling, we have so much on our plate are often the times when our spiritual practices just go out the window. I know that for me, it does. When ironically, it's the time when I probably need prayer the most. In one of her stand-ups, here and now, Ellen DeGeneres comments on how busy we are. She says, you know, we even have go-gurt, yogurt on the go. Because eating a yogurt from a cup and a spoon is too (laughs) time-consuming. I've definitely had my share of go-gurts. When I'm at my best, when I'm less busy, I wake up early, I light a candle, and I pray. When I'm tired, behind at school, my work, I skip my morning prayer. And I notice that it does have a huge impact on me. Impact on the rest of my day, I feel less centered and less calm. And now that I'm halfway through my semester, I'm inevitably behind on everything. So I've been trying something new. As I go about my day, I talk to God. If I'm feeling stressed or tired or if I'm feeling excited, I share that. For a few minutes, I try to still my mind and my heart and just listen. I do this as I'm walking to my next class or when I'm taking a break before my next thing. The more I do this, the more I realize I need this, even if it's just for a few minutes. It gives me the energy I need to continue about my day and to continue with a perspective that has God at the center. Martin Luther, upon being asked one time by a friend what his plans were for the following day, replied, work, work, from early until late, in fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I'm not as good as Martin Luther, but when we make this time, even for a few minutes, we are cultivi- cultivating that Mary inside of us. After worship today, we will talk about our spiritual gifts in our Lenten discernment study groups, which I encourage everyone who is interested and spiritual deepening to attend. The study will be held in the Lindsay room. And for the 20s and 30s out there, we'll be meeting upstairs in room 205. We also have provided you with some take-home questions that you'll find in the back of your bulletin. And we also have prayer partners, which you can sign up for online, and dinner church, which is held on Thursdays during Lent right here in the parlor at 615. If you have any questions about all those opportunities, please do not hesitate to come talk to Kent, Amy, or me. And if everyone who's in deepening and discernment could raise their hands, they're also good folks to go to, all two of them, three. No, there's a lot more. (laughs) Um, Great, I got that all in. Today is a day in our Lenten series when we focus on spiritual gifts. Paul's first letter to the early church, churches of Corinth, Corinth. the other scripture from the epistles we read together today, reminds us that as a community, collectively, we represent a vast number of gifts. Gifts of healing, of teaching, of mechanics, of cooking, of photography, of so much more. But that we are all part of the same spirit. Many gifts coming together is what a community is what makes a community come to life, makes a community of faith that, with the help of God, can make a difference in this world. I think we can use our scripture readings today as a guide as we think and talk about the coronavirus. I know that the coronavirus is on many minds this morning. Our situation right now is an example that shows the impor- importance of community with many gifts coming together. And honestly, it's already happening. When I was reading my emails yesterday, I saw how on top of it this community was. Through a text exchange with our operations team, who ensured this church would be thoroughly disinfected and cleaned, through conversations and meetings this past week, I've been so moved when I hear people already thinking about how to support and care for the ones who are at most risk in our community. And for those who may fall ill and need to stay home, but that for staying home even one day might mean they not, may not be able to pay for rent. People with many gifts and huge hearts coming together to think through all of this and how we could be a community that makes a difference right here in this very sanctuary. As we all think about our spiritual gifts and coming together as a community, I encourage all of us to also think about what makes it possible for us to tap into those gifts. What makes it possible for us to also be Mary's? What gives you life? Is it a walk like my friend? Is it talks with God? Is it sharing a pot of tea with a friend? because we need both Mary and Martha's for our gifts to shine. I like to think about Mary and Martha like I think about breathing. We need to be active and engaged, and we need to rest. When we inhale, we also need to exhale. We need to recharge, recharge our faith, our hope, so that we can continue to work with God to create an earth like it is in heaven. Amen.